Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts dwell in your light, O God, our rock, our wind, and our redeemer. When some of you hear this story about Nicodemus and these verses that we just read, perhaps there's a little bit of a knot that develops in your stomach. Perhaps there are fleeting memories of old sermons that put the fear of God into you. Or maybe you have vivid memories of a revival meeting where you heard these verses telling you that you must be born again. What about that walk down the aisle and up to the altar and the prayer, the sinner's prayer, to be saved? Did it really happen? We see the John 3.16 scripture emblazoned upon NFL fan posters. And maybe it's written in your heart as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Maybe there's some tension in that verse. What does it really mean? Have I believed enough to have eternal life? Perhaps these verses put a little knot in your stomach. And at the heart of that knot is the question of certainty. As human beings, we so desire certainty and we build religions in order to provide it. How certain are you that you're on the right side? How sure are you that you know you are saved? How sure are you that you know you're on God's side? How do you know if you're going to heaven or hell? For many people over these past hundred years, these verses have been used to provide certainty. And yet, it's a certainty made from verses pulled completely out of context to tell a story that does not exist. This story is not about our certainty of being saved. Instead of providing certainty to Nicodemus, Jesus provides uncertainty. Instead of affirming what Nicodemus knows, Jesus sends Nicodemus's head spinning. Instead of providing orientation, Jesus provides disorientation. Jesus was not trying to explain. Jesus was trying to confuse so that, so that Nicodemus could begin to see from a completely different perspective. So that Nicodemus could move from the darkness into the light. The story of Nicodemus, this, this is a story of disorientation. And it's one of my favorite Bible stories. So I'm thankful to share it with you this morning. So first of all, let's note that Nicodemus comes by night. This is not a trivial detail, but a common metaphor throughout the Gospel of John. Light and dark, night and day. Nicodemus comes at night in secret to ask Jesus a question. And essentially, it's a question about certainty. Can we be sure, Jesus, that you are the one? Can we be certain that we can put our trust in you as the Messiah? Now, the we here is the Pharisees, the group who felt most responsible for not leading anybody astray. 
the ones who knew the Israelite laws the best, these are the ones who know. That's their job, to know what's right and wrong, to know clean and unclean. So like any good leader who supposedly knows, Nicodemus didn't really ask a question, but instead gives a statement that Jesus saw right through. Rabbi, he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. At this point, how easy would it have been for Jesus to just say, yeah, buddy, you got it right. I'm the one. Jesus is here standing in front of someone who's likely an elder, who has great power, who can influence the election very favorably for this upstart Jesus. Nicodemus is coming to him in uncertainty in the night, not to be seen by others, and declaring a tentative allegiance with Jesus. All Jesus has to do is say, yep, you know, you know what's going on. I am the one. What was one of the temptations that Don preached about last week? One of them, I think, was Jesus being um, shown all the kingdoms of the world by the devil and saying, just worship me. Temptation has to do with power and control. What kingdom did Nicodemus have to offer? He certainly was well-connected. But instead of confirming Nicodemus's knowledge and giving him certainty, we are told Jesus answered him. Even though there wasn't an explicit question, we're told Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Two big things are happening here. First, in a very general sense, Jesus is saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Second, and more importantly, Jesus is changing the verb from knowing to seeing. Nicodemus is all about knowing, some kind of intellectual study and discernment, an academic kind of knowledge of the Torah. And Jesus is about perceiving, about experiencing, about seeing. Jesus is opening up a whole new world to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is clearly confused. Jesus is inviting into a world where experience is knowledge, and the knowledge of God comes from all around, not just the study of Torah. My favorite verse in this exchange being born and raised here in Kansas, has to do, of course, with the wind. This is the metaphor for God. This is the metaphor for the Spirit. This is the metaphor for experiencing God, the wind. We have plenty of it today. John 3, 8, the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This verse is not how most of us have heard it interpreted. It's not talking about the fickleness of the Spirit, that the Spirit kind of just does whatever it does and we participate in it in some kind of random way, kind of like the wind. I guess that's just the way the Spirit blows. No, this verse is inviting us, is inviting Nicodemus into a different way of knowing. 
We might not know exactly the when and the where and the what of the wind. We can't exactly predict it. We can't see it. But we know the effects, the leaves moving, the hum in our ears, the cold against our skin, the relief of a breeze on a hot summer day. We know the wind. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, just as with the wind, we don't get to say with certainty where God comes from and where God goes. We don't get to say with certainty who is part of God's group and who is not part of God's group. We don't get to control God, just like we don't get to control the wind. But we do get to experience the wind. We get to experience the Spirit. And those born of the Spirit are those who are willing and loving participants in this experience of God, both in the cold north wind and in the refreshing spring south winds. Nicodemus doesn't understand. All he can say is, how can these things be? And Jesus pokes fun at Nicodemus at his knowledge, saying, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Jesus is playing with the word understand. Nicodemus' way of understanding is not Jesus's. So Jesus goes on to explain, verse 11, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. Jesus is reminding Nicodemus of the arrogance of their first words spoken. Nicodemus came in saying, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from God. And now Nicodemus doesn't seem to know anything. Jesus is pushing him. Open your eyes. Believe what you see. Believe what others have come to know as the truth through their experience. As I begin to wrap up this sermon, there's two strands that I need to follow. The first strand is how to interpret the rest of the exchange with Nicodemus that has the famous John 3.16 and following all the way through through verse 21, which seems to have a lot of judgmental, condemnation kind of language. How might we interpret these verses in light of the disorientation that Jesus offers Nicodemus? Second, I want to follow up on the rest of the story of Nicodemus in the Gospel of John so that we see where Nicodemus ends up. We can see if Jesus' teaching strategy worked. So first of all, as we follow the rest of the verses in chapter 3, might I suggest that the Greek word translated as believe should be translated as trust. Belief and trust in the biblical Greek are very much tied together. These days, they are often separated with believing being more of an intellectual thing, much more of a doctrinal, dogmatic kind of way of thinking. This way of knowing, this way of believing is exactly what Jesus is arguing against in the first verses of his exchange with Nicodemus. So why would things all of a sudden change? Throughout, Jesus is talking about relationship and Nicodemus being in relationship with him. Trusting him and what he is experiencing, what he sees, what Jesus and others are saying about God's wind blowing. So verse 12, replacing belief with trust, Jesus says, If I have told you about earthly things and you do not trust, 
How can you trust if I tell you about heavenly things? Verse 15, whoever trusts in him may have eternal life. And the famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who trusts in him may not perish but may have eternal life. This is about standing with Jesus. It is through this standing with Jesus that you enter into eternal life. In terms of condemnation, verse 17, we read that condemnation is not the goal, but salvation. And when we read on in verse 18, those who trust are not condemned, and those who do not trust are condemned. But what is this condemnation? Verse 19, and this is the judgment. It's not some far-off thing, not something speculative. It's not heaven or hell condemnation. Verse 19, Jesus says, And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. This is the judgment according to Jesus for Nicodemus and others like him. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Nicodemus has come to Jesus in the night thinking that he knows what is right. He just wants to be certain, and Jesus calls him out. You, Nicodemus, and people are always choosing the darkness, and what you do in the darkness, what you choose to enact based on your false understanding, your false assurances, your false excuses, you're living a condemned life by your own choosing. We could pause here for a while. We're in the season of Lent. This is the Lenten pause right here. How are we choosing our own condemnation? How are we choosing to do deeds in the darkness? What is the darkness that we like more than the light? From the Kingdom Report today on anti-racism, we might ask, what are the privileges we get to choose to be blind to so that we can continue to live in the dark? How are we floating on the tip of the iceberg, unwilling to explore the depths? What would it mean to move from the darkness to light? What kind of freedom might that bring? Nicodemus got it. Although disoriented, he eventually got it. We're not told of the transformation process step by step, as if it were ever possible to have a step by step. It's not a formula, this being born from above. But we do get a hint of how it happened with Nicodemus, starting here in chapter 3. Then in chapter 7 of the Gospel of John, Nicodemus is mentioned again. The temple police, the chief police, and the Pharisees are huddled together trying to figure out a response to Jesus. And the Pharisees are very clear in how wrong this Jesus thing is. They're very certain of their knowledge, smugly stating, Surely you all have not been deceived too. And this crowd which does not know the law, they are accursed. But Nicodemus, named here as a part of the Pharisee group, stuck up for Jesus and a proper interpretation of the law, saying, 
Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? Nicodemus is telling the Pharisees that they should experience the guy before judging him. Nicodemus learned something from Jesus in chapter 3. The law was getting seen through the lens of witness, experience, testimony. Things are certainly changing for Nicodemus. Light is growing. Finally, in chapter 19, the light clearly shines. The darkest of times has happened. People's evil deeds carried out at night have resulted in the death of Jesus, a death of humiliation, a type of death and darkness that nobody in their right mind would want to be associated with. Certainly no one like Nicodemus who was so close to those who had Jesus killed. But we're told that after Jesus died, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. And what about Nicodemus? In chapter 19, the gospel writer brings up Nicodemus one final time specifically reminding us that this is the same Nicodemus that had come to Jesus at night, saying, Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with spices in linen cloths, according to the burial customs of the Jews. These two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who had been living in secret, came unabashed into the light, came close to Jesus, held his dead, naked body, and prepared it for burial with 100 pounds of spices. I don't know what would be more experiential than that. How much closer could they have gotten to Jesus and their trust in him than to take on this light in the greatest of darkness. Their willingness and courage to be exposed is unfathomable. Unfathomable unless they caught the wind of the Spirit that blows eternal. May we too move from darkness to light, powered by the wind of the Spirit that blows eternal. I invite you to turn in your bulletin to the prayer of confession and your response by reading the assurance of grace. Let us pray. Shedding our need for certainty, our need to know only with our minds and be blind to God's presence around us. We come to you, light of the world. We confess that in certain areas of our lives, we have chosen darkness over light. We have chosen secrecy over truth. May we have the courage to come to the light with all our uncertainties and fears, knowing only that you are present and stand with us together with the assurance of grace. O oh God, you are the light, and whatever we bring to the light brings eternal. Free us from our fears.